0: There is nothing worse than untapped potentials. If you know that you're made for more, this is the place. I know that every successful person I've ever met has one thing in common. They do not let themselves fall victim to their circumstances. They figure out a way to rise above it. So join me on this journey where I help you to be better, do better, and have better in life and in business. If you're feeling stuck and you're needing some practical tools, some hope to get you to that better life, this is definitely the place for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unstuck Podcast. And today I get a chance to introduce you to my new friend, Mr. J. You guys, we had a chance to meet and his story blew my mind. And it was literally just describing everything that I'm trying to do here with the Untuck Podcast and all the things that we're trying to, to show each other how we can overcome and do amazing things. Mr. J is a trauma and betrayal practitioner, which I had never heard of before. And man, I can't wait for people to get to know you, learn from you and be inspired by you. So Mr. Jay, welcome to the Unstuck Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, And Thank you for having me on your show.
0: So tell me or tell us actually um, a little bit better description of what you're doing today, like where are you showing up in the world? How are you serving people as of as of today?
1: Well, let me just say, you know, on a personal level, I'm trying to serve my family, my children, my community, my wonderful neighbors, but most certainly on a professional level. you know, for years I did what's called intrapersonal relationship coaching, and w- and what I work with is the individual's relationship they have with themselves, mm-hmm. because the relationship we have with ourselves sets the tone for all other relationships around us. Yes. Uh, I then eventually got into uh, betrayal trauma coaching. And from then, um, my coaching business just pretty much skyrocketed, which is wonderful in one aspect, but very sad in another. Because I wish, I, I wish, I, I there was no such thing as a betrayal trauma practitioner. I wish there was no such thing as betrayal trauma, right. because right. it is certainly um uh you know life altering but uh i do i, I do uh interpersonal um relationship coaching i i'm a betrayal trauma practitioner um and uh just enjoying life as a uh united states military vet um an author a um public speaker i go around to schools and um ch- encourage our our next generation And um, try to do what I can to have this uh, ripple effect in life.
0: Wow, you are so inspirational. And I gotta say, real quickly, thank you for your service in the military. It Um, it is such an honor to be able to talk to a veteran, for sure. Okay, (laughs) so one thing though that really stood out to me when I got to know you is that you are someone who got into the field of betrayal and trauma coaching, not because you read about it in a book but because it was something that you had to overcome yourself. So can you tell us a little bit about your story, Mr. J, and kind of what you yourself have been able to overcome or walk through in order to get to who you are today?
1: Most certainly, Um, you know, very quick, because obviously we can spend a a long time on this, but, you know, at the age of um, seven, we had had a house that burned down and we had to go stay with an uncle. And uh, my uncle took that opportunity to um, take advantage of me at a young age. And,, um, you know, after being violated by an uncle, we adi- we eventually did move into a new house um, where, you know, it was kind of surrounded by a lot of um, alcohol and drugs and and lots of strangers partying um, that introduced a lot more sexual violation as a young child. Um, so uh, you know, I, I, I unfortunately, I had some some CPTSD in my childhood. Uh, Eventually, I wound up uh, moving out at the age of 14. Uh, I became homeless for a little while. And uh, after my second gun to the temple, I decided I needed to make some changes in my life. Um, And that's what I wound up doing. Um, So I can get into that story if you'd like, or we can move on to something else.
0: I would love to because... I would love for you to just continue on that story because I think it's so powerful for people to be able to see kind of where where you came from and then we can walk alongside you as you kind of take that journey from where you were to where you are. Because to go to somebody that was homeless and experienced such terrible trauma and had guns put to your head and all of the things to becoming a speaker and an author and a coach and doing all the amazing things that, that you are doing, I think we can get a lot from just the learning of through your story. And, and then I want you to go through later on in our conversation, some, some really great tips and practical tools, but share more of your story if you would.
1: Sure. Well, I do want to say this, you know, many people believe that we find our purpose through our passions, Mm -hmm. but if you want to get real, we find our purpose through our pain. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I told you when I was uh, 14, I moved out. And um, uh, I remember just kind of, you know, sitting under a bridge and listening to the cars above me go by. And I'd always fantasize about, geez, I wonder where those families are going. Are they going on vacation? What kind of things are they talking about? Are the kids sitting in the back seat playing games? Um, and I just got to a point where I got tired of of fantasizing. Um, and like I said, you know, I uh, after being robbed twice. Um, which how ridiculous, what can somebody rob from a homeless person, <laughs> right. but that's a whole nother story. Um, I, I, uh, I, um, I did find a way to get uh, two part-time jobs at two uh, stores. So I bagged groceries at gro- uh, um, local corner stores. And uh, because I quit school at this point, I quit school in sixth grade. I told each of the stores that, um, because by law, they can only give you a certain amount of hours to work, mm-hmm. so I told them that I was in school, but in all actuality, I was working at the other store, wow. um, so one school, one person thought I was in school while working at that one, and then when I go to the next store, they thought I was in school, mm-hmm. um, and that's how I paid rent. Um, I got my own apartment. How in the world I talked myself into uh, getting an apartment, um, I I don't know, but I, perhaps I'm a suave speaker, so anyway... <laughs> um, <laughs> But I remember, um, you know, walking to the grocery stores and bagging groceries. And that's what I did. And I I loved it when I would bring somebody's groceries out to their car and they'd give me like a dollar because then I think, oh, yeah, I'm going to get me some ramen noodles tonight. And, you know, chicken was my favorite flavor. So anyways, um, after a while of that, I decided, you know, something really has to happen. And so I decided to take a walk up to the local community college. Now, I make it sound easy, but it was about a 15 uh, mile walk. Wow. And, uh, I walked into this big, huge, you know, college, um, area and nothing was familiar at all. Like how in the world do you navigate any of this? Yeah. yeah. But, um, so I just, uh, went to the first desk and she sent me to another desk and, you know, finally I was in front of an advisor and I, her name was actually Mary McMahon. Cause I'll never forget her name. And I was telling her, you know, I'd like to go to college. And she said, okay, let me have your high school transcripts. And I said, well, I I really don't have any high school transcripts. She says, let me have your GED. And I said, well, I really don't have a GED. It's just, okay, I need a letter from your parents. I said, well, I really haven't talked to my parents in years. So, um, you know, we sat there and she's like, there's really nothing I can do for you. I'm sorry. Just we need something I got to put in my files. And I was feeling a little defeated and deflated, but I was determined determined. And that's one of the things that um, gets everybody through everything in life. And and that's what got me through everything was my determination. And I sat up in my chair and I said, Mary, if you can pull any strings at all to get me into college, I promise you, I will prove to you in the first semester that I'm college material. If not, we can, you know, I'll walk away quietly. And, uh, and she turned her chair around and she was fumbling through some files. And I just knew she was going to turn around and say, I'm sorry, you can leave my office now. But she didn't. Instead, she turned around, and she put a piece of paper in front of me, and she said, um, if you don't follow through with your promise to prove yourself, you were not gonna. Um I went on to graduate my associate's degree know with high honors,
0: which eventually led me into my bachelor's degree,
1: graduating, graduating with high honors, call which eventually led me into my master's degree with a lot of hard work, dedication, motivation, blood, sweat and tears, graduating with honors to the master's degree
0: as well. Now, I do want to say this, backtrack
1: a little bit. What happened was after I completed life, my first semester of college, I went to sign up for a second semester of college and the registrar's office said, are you, are you registered with Selective Service? Now I was 19. What did I know at 19? I said, what in the world is Selective Service? I mm-hmm. said, here, call this number. So I called this number who transferred me to this department, who transferred me to this area, who, you know, next thing you know, I'm on the phone with a, um, an army recruiter. I'm like, how in the world did I get on the phone with you because I'm so not interested in joining the Army? But I remember the gentleman saying, well, hey, wait a minute. Everything happens for a reason. Why don't you come down? We'll have a little chat. And I was like, oh, no, I know where these chats lead to. I'm not interested. Right. But I did decide to tempt and test fate. So I walked downtown. Uh, Next thing you know, I'm signing away eight years out of my life. Now, the reason I was able to join the military, because at the time you had to have a high school diploma, was because when I went through my first semester of college, I got 12 uh, credits, which gave me an equivalent to a high school diploma. So it just happened to work out perfectly. So anyways, that's what happened with the military.
0: That's amazing. And I think that, you know, as you know, the Unchecked podcast is all about me listening to people's stories and really recognizing that the people that I interview, the people that I have the most utmost respect for, have one thing in common. And that is that they do not let themselves say victim them to their circumstances. They figure out how to rise above it. And I can't like imagine you as a young boy having to go through all of those things. And each one, you were able to take it and you're like, okay, this is where I I am, but this is what I need to do. And you pick yourself up and you do that. Is that something that was just you know, inside of you that you were born with? Or is there anything that you can do to give us some insight into how we can have that if we don't already have that?
1: Yeah, well, you know, something, um, you know, there's an old saying, Lachelle, that um, uh, a lot of people's wisdom is born from pain. Mm-hmm. And I think between being on the streets and be, you know having suffered abuse, unfortunately, and all the things that happened as a child, it it really prepared me to be you know relatively savvy in in certain areas of life. Um, and I think you know, so right now I'm I'm before you. I you know I'm a father of two adopted children. I'm an author. I'm an inspirational speaker. Um, I am a coach I'm a betrayal trauma practitioner I own a big beautiful home um you know I so I'm I'm successful but but nothing came without determination I'm not smarter than anyone else I'm yep. not uh you know perhaps I'm resourceful but that's out of determination yes so so I think you know if people find out of everything in life, out of mm-hmm. determination will take you far, will take mm-hmm. you very far. As a matter of fact, I tell my kids this, and I also tell kids when I when I go and talk to them, yeah. education is amazing. Please get your education. Um, uh, knowledge is amazing. Knowledge is important. But having said that, manners and kindness will open more doors mm-hmm. in life, than all of those things put together. And I truly believe that because I can have a double doctorate degree, Mm -hmm. but if I'm not a kind person, if I'm not a determined person, doors just won't automatically open. So I think, you know, determination is a key factor in, in getting over any hump in life.
0: I 100% agree. And I feel like I'm, as a mom of two kids myself, right? I notice a difference and I'm not going to say which one is which because someday they might listen to this episode, but there's one child of mine that is absolutely determined. Yes. And then there's another one that I need to kind of like, you know, push along a little bit. And it's like, as a mom, how do I teach my kids how to be determined. Do you think that that's a skill that you can learn or do you think that you're just born with it?
1: You know, I think there's, there's probably a little bit of both that whole nature versus nurture thing. You Mm -hmm. know, I also, um, uh, have ADHD and for as much as that could be a challenge, I also think it's a blessing because people with ADHD have learned to, I mean, I know there's no, no such thing as true multitasking, but people with ADHD, they can for the most part, multitask relatively well, because there's always 25 televisions going off in your head. So you've learned to, you know, pay attention to Wizard of Oz in your head while you're watching the news on another channel, while you're focusing on, you know, the teacher lecturing you in front. So, you know, you do learn. And so because of that, in all areas of my life, I've really learned to put many pokers in different fires, because if one fire doesn't catch, at least I got two or three pokers in other fires that may catch. And then if those don't work out, I get creative and try to do something else. So I think, you know, it's a balance between the struggle of of where you've been, the struggle of where you've been through. Um, Even ADHD has been a blessing in this area. So really, I think, um, you, you know, every child is different. And it's hard to pinpoint Where something would come from, because sometimes it's just the perfect storm of the person's internal dynamics.
0: Yeah, and I love that. And you said something that is important. I think it's just that having the gratitude of knowing that there's a lesson in everything, that there's a gift in everything. And so when we can come to that perspective, I think that that is something that's going to take us far. And so, as a parent, as a person who wants the best for myself and the people that I care about, I think that it's important for me to try to model that behavior as much as I can for my kids, model the determination, model the gratitude, model the not giving up. And I'm hoping that it'll catch on in some way, subconsciously or consciously, to determine and make them be the best version of themselves. So
1: yeah, most definitely. You know, I tell my son all the time, my son is 10. Um, and and side note, not to not to go on this long tangent, but you know, he's in where I'm where where we are, it's now middle school. Yes. So for six months before starting middle school, I was telling my son, uh, having conversations about puberty, and I was saying, you know, your body's going to go through these changes and, you know, hair is going to come here or whatever. But I'll tell you something, Lachelle, in the past month, I wound up sitting my son down. And I said, I have to apologize because for a half a year now, I've been talking to you about all the physical changes of puberty, but I never once addressed the emotional and mental changes you're going through in puberty. And I really tried in his own developmental understanding, explain yeah. to him how the amygdala in the back of his brain is growing at double the rate that his frontal cortex is. And the amygdala is our emotional brain. So, you know, I wanted him to understand that when he has these emotional reactions, mm-hmm. these aren't necessarily him and not to blame himself, this is our this is how your body is growing and fun and functioning um so anyway so yeah so every every area of our life is is a constant growth and i and i tell him don't block the blessings and that all, i also tell my my clients or, or however you want to word it when you're talking to people um the same thing listen trauma itself i per se don't don't look at as a gift. I don't look at trauma as a gift. And the reason being is because people can take that and become jaded. What is the gift is if they choose to heal through that trauma, then the lessons. Yes,
0: are yes, yes. That is such an amazing clarification. Okay. Mr. J. I really really want to take our conversation to the next level which is really just taking your expertise in betrayal and trauma and really giving people that are listening some very practical tools to help them get from where they are to where they want to be but really first you guys i want to make sure that i clue you into something i've been working on something that i'm absolutely passionate about in order to help you work smarter not harder so that you can become the best version of yourself without sacrificing the things that are important to you so give me just a moment and we'll be back in a sec Hey, Lachelle me here, and I gotta ask you, are you feeling like you're always on your freaking phone and you're trying to run your business, your family's complaining about you always being on your phone, you feel like you're winging it constantly, and all you wanna do is have a strategy that lets you be 100% authentic and you are literally attracting the right people to you? oh my goodness, that was me too. And I had to figure out a system that would make that work. I, and I totally nailed it. I have a program all designed to help you do that too, including a chance to spend the entire day with me so that I can help you write copy that attracts people and you will literally be done for an entire year. If that sounds like it's something that you need, we totally need to talk. Go ahead and click this link and let's get started. Okay. Mr. J, you have been such a blessing up to this point. I am inspired by your story every single time I hear it. And I would love for you to start to kind of coach us a little bit, give us some real practical tools. If, if somebody that's listening is, let's say, let's start with betrayal for right now. Okay. So let's say that there's somebody listening and they are just like, you know what I have been, I have been betrayed. I want to see the blessings in this. I want to have the determination, but I am feeling stuck. What would you tell that person right now?
1: Okay. First of all, I just want to say um, very quickly, uh, betrayal happens in so many arenas of our life. We could be betrayed by our children. We could be betrayed by our parents. We could be betrayed by a friend, a relative, a neighbor. We could be betrayed even by ourselves. Yeah. Um, or our creator and most certainly we can be betrayed by a significant other so yeah. first and foremost uh it's really addressing what type of betrayal that that the person's enduring that's number one but number two the first thing um to, uh to do and there's many many things depending on the stages and phases of where someone is is um <clears throat> number one immediately get your narrative in check get your thinking in check do you have Incorrect negative thoughts. Um, because because here's the thing. We don't necessarily, I mean, yes, okay, let me just use uh, uh spousal betrayal, right? What we do is we have to focus on what that person represented to us. So for instance, uh your spouse uh was unfaithful, okay. Now you are traumatized. The first right, thing right. we have to do is understand, okay, what did my spouse uh uh represent to me. So if I'm working with one person, maybe that meant protection. Mm-hmm. So now their significant other stole protection from them. Got it. Let's just say their spouse um represented um provision. Well, now they stole provision from them. Mm-hmm. Or or they represented security or or future goal. So one of the things, that, yes on its face, face value, we've been betrayed and that sucks. And that's probably one of the most horrific, profound pain because it feels so intentional. Right. However, let's address the deep issue of what did that, what did that represent, uh, that, that relationship, what did that represent, and then start addressing uh, that on that level. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. The other thing too, I just want to say is, uh, getting into the, the, the thick of things. You have, you know, like Lachelle, if I was right now uh, coaching you, mm-hmm. I can coach Lachelle's, tr- you know, the fact that uh, Lachelle was traumatized, right? right? But what I'd rather do was coach Lachelle's trauma. And and, and here's the difference. Okay. I asked, so uh, before coaching, I used to be a certified special education teacher. And when you're a certified, spe- when you're a teacher dealing with kids with special ed, yeah. you, there's what's called an IEP, an individualized right. education plan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's because every child learns differently. Well, Lachelle, every human being is different. So your betrayal is going to hand, be handled completely different from the next person's betrayal, even if it's the same exact betrayal. Right. Because you have your own unique attachment style,
0: Right. you have
1: your own unique love language, you have your own unique childhood. So one of the things that I do is I give everybody what's called an IHP, which is an individualized healing plan. And I ask them, what is your love language? What is your attachment style? Where on the sibling uh, totem pole do you land? Because if you're a younger child, maybe you don't feel heard. And that's, and so I want to address you and your specific, I want to address Lachelle's uh, yeah. trauma, not just yeah. trauma. Yeah. And, and, and the reason being, and it matters because of this hypothetically speaking, let's just say your love language, and for people that aren't familiar with love languages, basically there's five basic love languages. There's aff- words of affirmation, gifts, physical touch, blah, 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 and if people don't know their love language, I give them a test. Same thing with uh, their attachment style, but hypothetically speaking, let's just say your love language is words of affirmation, right? Yep, it is, and actually. Kind of, hey, there you go. Okay, <laughs> Okay. So let's find, let's pretend you found out your, your significant other, you know, was with somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, bottom line, I'm not trying to downplay anything because, because betrayal is betrayal and it sucks. It sucks, but you're going to handle that betrayal slightly different. If you found out, um, your significant other uh, went out to lunch with somebody or even had a, fi- a quick physical tryst with them. Let's just say they got drunk one night, uh, they had a quick physical try- tryst, they're apologetic, They, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's going to hit you different, Lachelle, then all of a sudden you find secretly 30 long letters that they were writing to that person, telling them how they see their future in their eyes and and how life is going to be beautiful with them, that's going to hit you at a different level because they they just intruded on your love language. So, and it's the same thing with somebody's physical touch. If somebody finds love letters to somebody and affirmations is not their thing, but they were physical with them, that's going to hit them because wait a minute, physical touch is my thing. And you gave that to somebody else. So everybody's completely different. And you got to deal with somebody's individualized.
0: That is powerful. I'm picturing a situation in my head that that makes complete sense. That is brilliant, really.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, Certainly. So, you know, and like I said, depending on where people are on the um, phage and stage of the healing process, um, You introduce new concepts because one of the, I'll tell you, at, at, at the breaking point where somebody is really ready to take that turn, especially if there's reconciliation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one of the things I have them do is write a letter of compassion. Because listen, nobody, nobody betrays somebody uh, that's, that's complete. They were trying to fill a void. Mm-hmm. So what I have them do is the person that was affected, the victim, I, although I hate that word, yeah. Write a letter of compassion, putting themselves in the shoes of the person who hurt them, and have them understand, you know what? I don't I think what you did was disgusting. It was unacceptable. It, and, and I don't even know what's going to happen with our future. but you are human. And now looking back in your childhood and looking back at what A, B, and C did, mm-hmm. I can understand why you had this void and you thought you had to fill it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, so certain ter- times during the healing phases and stages, I do have people write a letter of compassion. Um, Again, some people never get there because they're like, oh, hell's to the soul. No, I'm not going to be <laughs> compassionate. <laughs> you made your bed, hold me sleep in it, you know?
0: Yeah. Wow. that's. Do you find that, it's? this is fascinating to me. Do you find that when people consider betrayal at different stages of their lives, that there is a meaning attached to them that is consistent? Like for me, I would think that I'm going to be vulnerable for a second, but I would think that for me, the, the thing of acceptance comes up over and over again. So if I would be betrayed by my husband, if he you know did something like that, it would make me feel like I wasn't good enough. make him happy or if it was a friend i would feel like i can't i'm not accepted for who i am if that makes sense you find that there's a there's a theme for the way that people attach the meaning to different betrayal
1: most definitely you know first of all i just want to say this is one of the reasons why uh intrapersonal relationships are so important Mm -hmm. because um you, you know like i'm a wedding officiant and so a lot of times i will see in front of me yeah two young in my opinion, children, even if they're, you know, in their young twenties, I will see two young children in front of me exchanging I do's and Lachelle, they don't even know the I am is. They don't even know who the I am is, but yet they're exchanging I I do's. Now that's not to say that people, because I always say we're not human beings. We're human evolutions. You are a different person today, Lachelle, than you were five years ago. You're going to be a different person five years from today than you are now. So we're human evolutions. Mm -hmm. So we constantly have to build bridges to ourselves to get to know the new self. And of course, if we're in a relationship, you have to build those bridges with your relationship so you each other get to know who you are. So absolutely, having that sense of identity and constantly getting to know who you are is important because I have found, to answer your question, which was phenomenal, by the way, <laughs> I have found that there has been a pattern of, of of the same narrative coming back, which is why oftentimes they say, you know, sometimes in life we'll get a little whisper. And if we don't learn the lesson, then we might get a little tap on the cheek. Then if we don't learn a lesson, a brick might have to hit us in the head. And sometimes what (laughs) some people call a soul contract, when your spouse does uh, hurt you by betrayal Mm -hmm. in life, that was because you haven't learned your lesson to the point where the only thing that's going to happen is a building has to come down and crush you until you start building yourself from the foundation up. And now you're not going to repeat that. Uh, same pattern again, because holy crap, this was the wake-up call that was unfortunately, and I know you're going to lose a lot of li- visit- listeners when I say this, this was the wake-up call that was needed for me to no longer feel this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and really quickly, just to add, because I always say when we get to a certain point in life, Lachelle, we realize that red flags are no longer red flags, they're deal breakers. But we have to get to that point from the lessons yes. learned
0: yes oh my goodness that it seems so divinely divinely driven that i've met you because it's it's so interesting how what we're you're talking about is so in line with different experiences that i've had in in the last six months right and so Mm -hmm. i think that it's just it's beautiful. And I feel like, awesome. I love the fact that you say that if you are having a, a theme of that, that narrative over and over again, that it really comes back to, to what we have to work on inside of ourselves, because we're the common denominator in that experience, right? And so what kind of things would you tell somebody that they could do to start working on that intrapersonal relationship?
1: Yeah, well, one of the things I, I just want to say too, and this is why this is why some people have such a hard time with betrayal because they're not only dealing with the fact that the bottom just completely collapsed below them like their, right. their world completely you know right like we we are a living filing cabinet we all have our files you know this happens then this happens then this happens then this happens and this. We, we are comfortable with our fight with our big filing cabinet What happens with betrayal trauma is somebody comes along, picks up that drawer and throws it all across (laughs) everywhere. And the wind starts taking our papers away. You, you're, you're gutless. You're, you're lifeless. You are, you know, you're, you're lost. You're lost. So one of the things that you have to do is when you start collecting those files again is realize, you know what, what's been serving me, Mm. whatever has not been serving me, I'm not going to put back in my drawer.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Um, Also, what was I lacking that I need to address that came from even before I got into a relationship? Did my mother tell me I was not worthy? Did my father not tell me I was pretty? What is it that I need to address this underlying issue before I even move on in life?
0: And how do you do that? I mean, um, okay, I'm going to be, it's like crazy vulnerable. So my audience, (laughs) like, here you go. But I had done some work and I had not recognized the fact that I have always felt unworthy or a bother. And what I realized in the work that I had with this individual was that when I was little, my mom had three kids by the time she was 25. And she lived you know, on a farm in the middle of nowhere. My dad was working on the farm all the time. She was stuck <laughs> as a 25 year old with three little kids. and I we She was stressed out. So as an adult, I see that and I think, Lord, I'm glad I didn't have her life back then. But as a little kid, I felt like I was stressing my mom out, that I was a bother to her, that I wasn't worthy of my dad's attention because he was like, this place is a zoo. I'm going to stay outside and keep working on the farm. Right. And so recognizing that I have that, but I don't know how to get rid of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things. First of all, and I'll, I'll, I'll quasi use you, but I'm speaking in general. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If some, you or somebody in your position still had their parent around and still mm-hmm. had a good relationship with their parent, I would absolutely voice this to them and have a conversation because that could just fill a void just during that conversation. Of course, there's also, let's just say this other person was open to some therapy. If you think that was needed, there's that, but I'll tell you something more important than that, Lachelle. And I don't know if you've ever tried doing this you yourself writing on a passionate letter to your younger self hmm. and saying, you know what, Lachelle, I was there when you felt unheard. I was there when you felt unseen. And I'm going to tell you something. I'll never let you feel like that again. You are not a bother." you are not a hindrance. You are not getting in the way of everything. You are a beautiful soul. And I'm going to make sure that, that, that you feel heard, that you never experience that again. And I got your back here. So write yourself a a letter, write your younger self, a letter that you are no longer going to uh, um, allow anything like that to happen again. And you were there and you got it. And, and, and you got her back. So I would write yourself a letter.
0: I love that. And I think that one of the things that I'm going to kind of tie all of this back together is that I think in my opinion, um, and I might be off base here, but betrayal is really just unmet expectations that I've placed on someone else.
1: Most certainly, it does come back to your, yeah. And this is what self-betrayal is.
0: Yeah. And so if I expect other people to behave a certain way, I expect my spouse to be faithful to me. I expect my friend to be loyal to me. I expect whatever at the end of the day, I can only control me. I can't control anyone else. And I think that that's one of the things that's, it's, it's enlightening, but it's also really hard, right? So I could absolutely go back to my parents who are amazing people and I love them so much. Of course. But then you always have this like, expectation of what it's going that conversation is going to be like and then it doesn't right. and then you feel betrayed because now it's rejection twice but as yep. an adult right and so then we don't want to have those conversations because that would just be too painful because those expectations are there what are your thoughts on that
1: no absolutely absolutely you know I'll tell you something it, it, life is just so interesting it's just really <laughs> so interesting because I remember my brother I have an older brother. And I remember when uh, he called me from the hospital when his first born son was Mm -hmm. born. And he was telling me, he said, I'm holding my son and I just can't believe the decisions our parents made. Like, Mm -hmm. how could they do what they did? Yeah. And what's funny, Lachelle, is it wasn't until I was in the hospital years later holding my newborn son that I was thinking, oh my gosh, I understand why my parents did what they did. I understand. And this is what I mean. This is what I mean. My parents, like a lot of parents, you're 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 spread thin. You know, you go to work. Your boss wants more out of you. You go to church on Sunday. The pastor wants more out of you. You come home. Your kids want more out of you. You, I mean, like I mean, you're stretched thin. <laughs> oh, yeah. And let's just say, in a relationship, um, if let's just, if if you and your spouse aren't a hundred percent getting along perfectly, you cannot be the best parent at that point. That you that's going to have an effect. So. So all of a sudden when I was holding my son and I was thinking to myself, wait a minute. Now now don't get me wrong. I'm 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 in a happy marriage. I'm going on 20 years next year. Um so everything, you know, things were going relatively well. But what I was thinking about was if things weren't going well in my marriage, if things weren't going well in my life, I couldn't be the best parent to my child. Right. And so then I understood after I had kids, oh my gosh, I understood with all of the stresses my parents had, the yeah. money problems, the emotional problems, the physical problems, the childhood problem. I understand why they were, you know, as abusive or toxic as they were. Yeah. So it's interesting that whole, um, you know, different perspective.
0: That is perspective. And that gives that, that permission um, to forgive. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that you just said, um, it was that, Everybody expects different things of us. Our boss expects things, our pastor expects things. And so ultimately, like we can be up on our high horse and we can judge the people who have betrayed us. But in reality, we are probably betraying people or falling short of their expectations every single day. And so if we think that, you know, poor, poor me, I'm the only one who's hurting. Chances are I'm actually hurting people and don't even realize it.
1: Most certainly, most certainly, you know, and this goes into the, you know, when I say, uh, if somebody does choose to reconcile, Mm
0: -hmm. let's just say
1: somebody, if they're choosing to reconcile, one of the things that I say is you have to come to a point Mm -hmm. where, um, you, you are allowed, you are supposed to be in control of your own triggers, your own thoughts. Your own Because here's the deal. If you expect the new 2.0 of your spouse to come forward, you <laughs> cannot allow or accept anything less than the new 2.0 you to come forward. And the new 2.0 you is not going to target your spouse for your own issues.
0: Right. Wow. That's powerful. Oh my goodness. I could seriously spend the entire day with you. Maybe that means that I'm a mess, but whatever. So what I'm saying is that anybody that would listen to this and they would be blessed by your your guidance on whatever they're going through, they would be just so, so lucky to have you walk alongside of them. So you guys, if you feel like this is leading somewhere in your heart and you realize that you are ready to, to elevate yourself, your life, give yourself the permission to get past the things that are holding you back. Mr. J coach J is an amazing gift. And so we're going to make sure that we have all of the ways that you can get a hold of him in the show notes. So following him on social, getting his website, you know, having a consultation, all of the things are going to be in the show notes. So we'll make sure that the people have the chance to, to connect with you um, themselves. And then I always finish my conversations with the opportunity for my guests to ask one question to the audience and have them think about and ponder that's going to help them go from where they are to where they want to be. So what kind of question would you have the people think about to help them?
1: Okay. I'll say this. I will say this. Um, uh, no one, nowhere in the history of mankind has anyone died from a snake bite. What people die from is when the snake bites the person, the venom gets into their brain or their bloodstream goes into their veins, into their heart. That's what kills them. So my question is, have you been bitten in life? Or most importantly, are you doing, are you giving yourself the anti-venom so that doesn't reach your heart?
0: Wow, that's powerful. That is so powerful. Thank you so much for blessing all of us with this conversation today. And I'm so appreciative of the time that you and I've had a chance to to get to know one another and for you to bless everybody who's listening. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Lachelle. Have a great day.
0: thank you so much for listening to the Untech Podcast. I am so grateful to be on this journey with you. And don't forget to check out the show notes if you want to get into my private club, the Better Club, to be able to learn better ways to be better, do better, and have better. So until next time, keep showing up. Let's get unstuck together. Have a great day.